Hey there! Thanks for tuning in to today's episode on Localize the World. Today we're joined by my friend and colleague, John Huan Vu, who is a community leader, a speaker, and current product manager at PayPal. So he'll be talking with us about his knowledge and experience in working with localization teams and other teams to bring products global. It's a really fascinating topic, and he's a great speaker. So I know you guys are going to get a great conversation out of today's episode. Now, I really, really appreciate the time that you've taken out to speak with me about this because I'm really interested in the topic. I've been yeah. learning about product management, and it's not really something that we learn a lot in our classes about. So I want to shed some light about product management to localization people, but also, you know, the flip side of things as well. Yeah. So um, we'll go first with like your main pain points as a product manager like what are some pain points that you see when bringing products internationally just in general good um so just to give the people on the video and you some background too i really uh, was given that great opportunity when i was ex able to expand the paypal business debit card to nine countries and when i did that that just blew my mind on how difficult it is um, I came back, came from uh, kind of like the internationalization background. You can find my thesis at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and download it and feel free to read it. I was fully aware on the software side on how to make a product so that it can go in other countries in addition, of course, localization and translation and so on. But internationalization was big for me because you can create a library for that. But as a product person, there are many, many things that I'm not fully aware about, and I uh, I think students would agree with it because some students in the United States would be so United States centric because everything is easy. Um, I, Lynn, you don't have to respond to this, but Lynn, I have no idea where your complete nationality and passports are at. But when you meet somebody from India, they're like, you Americans are lucky to go anywhere you want. I, as a person from India, I can't go to everywhere. Those are the things that you don't know about. So the same way when you expand a product. So the PayPal business debit card, just to give you and the students just some like insight, is the fact that it's an actual physical card. And you might think like, oh, you just turn on like France or Germany and so on. No, 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 no. You have to work with the European Union. They have to recognize it. They have to understand it. You also have to understand stuff like interchange rates. I think the biggest issue, of course, too, is also like working with any anything that's outside of engineering from legal, marketing, compliance. Those are the major items out there because if you can't get through them, you'll be or if you try to. So let's use France. If we decide to turn on France, um, the European Union authorities will be knocking our door, resulting in fines or banned. And we don't want that at all. Come uh, for the engineering aspect. It's taking all those external requirements and converting into engineering. Like, for example, um, one of the things that's within our company, and this is not NDA at all, like if you have a terrorist who wants to open an account, for example, PayPal, we have to block them. Some other startups might not do that. Well, they're going to be in trouble by the United States saying, why are you funding this terrorist organization? So those are the things that you always have to think about. And once you get to that product side, you have to do it too. Um, before I hand it back to you, um, I completely forgot to start with my thesis statement. To be an amazing product manager, you always have to think about your customers. So I'll repeat that again. To be an effective product manager, you always have to think about your customers. Now, that sounds easy, but it's not. 
and that's the part where I would go a little bit deeper. And I like you, Lynn, because you like to go deep with conversations. How can you remove your ego and think about your customers? I will use a great example for all of you to think about. Think about your mom. You might want to do something for her, but if you get a present that she's not going to like, well, you failed. Your ego might say she might like that compared to you where you fully confirm what she actually likes. If you want to make it much more difficult, Lynn and I, we're both Vietnamese, so I'll just say cook a great Vietnamese dish. Yeah, so most likely your mom is most likely not going to, she's going to be stingy about it. That's like a product manager. You have to think about your customer clearly. You have to get as much data as you can about your customer and, and infer from it, even if you dislike the results. That's a great product manager. Product manager's like, oh, we should add these bells and whistles. But it's like, are you sure that that's what they like? Anyways, Liv, I'll pause there so you can do a follow-up. I see. So you would have to go with what your customer wants and needs, even if it might go against what your original thought was that they needed. Correct. So I'll give you a, a cool case scenario. When I was working at Zynga, and again, not violating any NDA by mentioning this, we had two onboarding experiences for a game called Mafia Wars. One way was just dropping you in the game. And many people actually thrive. We made a lot of money that way. So we had a product manager who's like, we should do this other onboarding effort for first time users. Unfortunately, now we have about 200 users who's now stuck in this limbo because they played it and they're like, I don't really like it that much. That's a horrible experience. Even though it's 200 users, just imagine they went through it and, and you would never, ever get them again. And, and Mafia Wars was making a lot of money for Zynga back then, too. So we turned it off completely. That's why experimentation is also good if you don't have enough data. That's another mm -hmm. thing, too. But you really, really do have to think about your customers all the time. Like, he had a marvelous idea. He's like gung-ho and excited. But the analytics numbers came in, and it sucked. And that's the sad part. And so uh, you as a PM, what's one thing that you do to ensure that your products can succeed globally? Um, if every single company can have this, is called an effective program manager. So for you and for those who don't know, I used to be a program manager, and the best program managers know how to do a successful launch. Sorry, sorry, kickoff with all the stakeholders to launching. So I always tell people, and I would just use a good line summary. You can call a program manager or project manager you like, but a good program manager knows how to build relationships throughout the company, knows what other things are so that the product manager can stay focused on the vision. I use the analogy on like building a doghouse. Many of us should be able to build a doghouse. Um, ours might not look gorgeous and beautiful, but over time we can build a doghouse. It's small, easy. But if I ask you to build a house, you can have the vision. You have all the bedrooms, you know, the tiles and so on. But do you really want to be running the show, working with the contractors, paint and so on? You might. But if you had an expert, a contractor, that's a great program manager. I currently don't have a program manager, so I'm doing both the jobs right now. It's not fun at all, but you know what? I was a program manager, so I know how to get through things, but it is very, very difficult. I really wish I had a program manager who can handle that other tasks that is very is, is not even product related. It's more like, how do you get from A to Z? And I just need a program manager to tell me, John, this is the missing piece that you need to put in. There you go. All right. 
So um, I want to move on to a little bit more localization specific questions. Yeah. And you know, we previously worked together in at PayPal localization and product. And so I was wondering about that dynamic and what you thought about um, working with localization as a stakeholder. One of your many, right? When I um so to give you and also the um the video some context too is the fact that I used to be on what we call a PayPal World Ready team, so I would just used to be on it. I used to work on it, and um and unfortunately my mindset was this, which was we are a very very in important person at the company. Unfortunately, after I left and after I became an engineering team on an actual product team, I realized that they're important but they are not like ivory tower important. However, my empathy and my partnership with uh, the World Ready team, including internationalization, localization, and translation is very important now. So I would just say that localization taken in many parts. Of course, the translation part, in my opinion, is overall very, very easy, although some translation technologies, depending on how it's being used, can suck or can be very good. Um, the reason why I say that is that if you want to go to, say, an Arabic country and so on, it's very hard to do dynamic text. Um, but the nice thing about those folks who work on localization is that, say, we want to go into Japan. The tone is very, very different. Same way in German, too. And those are the things where I rely on that team to be the experts to know about it. But the other part of localization, too, is the um, the marketing people and the product marketing folks where they're over there. Say, why don't we use France France again? Something that might work in the United States would not work in France at all. And they are the local experts who can tell us what can work and what can do. Unfortunately, this is why it's so important to put ego aside. Usually I question them is like, is this your own ego that you believe this represents all French? Or is this really, really something that you believe is not appropriate? Um, you guys can see plenty of examples like that. Like when um, Disney uh, decided to open their Disneyland park in France. It didn't go well initially because French is such an important language. I mean, like when you just Americanize something, it doesn't work very well. That's why when they have uh, Tokyo Disney now, it's doing very, very well. Not to mention it's a big partnership between another company, but they're doing well because even though it speaks in Japanese and so on, that is what the users want. Why should you indoctrinate people with just English? But wait, they what also happened in uh, Disneyland in France? They are better now, okay. but you should read their history. They were in a huge, huge debt because people were just like, this is very American. And that's not what they wanted. They want a French Disney. And that was the point. So it comes back to your folks who are out there who is helping along with the actual engineering technology that makes sure it's localized properly. The reason why I say localized is that it takes on many, many forms with a human touch. Internationalization is easy. As long as you have the latest standards and so on, you integrate into your software. And when you switch to France, all the numbers and everything should appear appropriately and correctly. But of course, translation is very important. Um, and having the correct tone is just so important. So, yeah. Um, what were some of the pain points? So, I mean, you worked in both sides, right? Working in World Ready and also as a product manager. So, you know, both ends of the coin. But when you 
switched over to product management, like did you have any pain points when it came to working with localization because you were now kind of their client? So I this is before I became a product manager, but I remember when I had launched uh, Mafia Wars at Zynga into Turkish. Apparently, um, when we had the tr uh, there's all, there's just so much space on a screen. And sometimes it really sucks on cutting things out or asking the translator, can you shorten it much more? It came to a point where um, there was a uh, a bad word that appeared because they were using the incorrect I. Um, you guys can look that up on Turkish uh, language. And because of that, um, it got us in trouble. Luckily enough, games doesn't have as much compliance and so on. So it was only bad press. It wasn't like, oh my God, you're gonna get a fine. So those are the pain points, which is the size constraint, because typically translating from the uh, from United States English to another language is usually about approximately, if I remember, I wrote my thesis about 125% or 150% longer. And that is a pain in the butt. As a product person today, I would have that issue too. If I only have a size constraint, that is a major, major issue that I would have too. But the other thing too is that, um, uh, as a product person is like, I do hope my lawyers are translating correctly, legally into other languages that will not hurt us in court. That is a big pain point. In English, I know how to write something non-ambiguously, but you can't just give a legal document to a translator. You actually have to give to a, a person who's a lawyer in that region. And that's kind of important too, because if you have any ambiguity, people will exploit it. And that has happened over and over again, especially like a comma or just the word and versus an or or shall and must. Those are the things too. I'm trying to think of any other major pain points. Um, yeah, I think the other pain points too is like, I wish we can send the same exact notifications, emails to all the countries, but each one has its own uh, locality. And how do you ha help engineering compliance and our marketing folks to cater to each one of them. That can be very, very difficult too. Mm. Um, but again, it's a good if or wow statement or whatever, not wow, sorry, if or um, case statement that you just need to do in your code, but it can be a pain. So I think that was talking about the, the localization process as a, as a whole in general. Mm. What about working with the actual team? Like not that like the individuals, but you know, were there any difficulties working with the team. You're talking about the world ready team? Not the world ready team, but like just in general, you know, is there anything difficult when it comes to um, conversing, communicating or getting getting the things that you need to get done to bring the product international? So like, was goal... there a, like a mix up in understanding each other, I guess? An effective program manager and product manager too is one where I, so one of the things I did and I encourage everybody who's listening and you is having a landing page to make sure the source truth is in one place. And the reason why I mentioned how important that is, is to avoid all ambiguity, all confusion, just to have it in one place so that everybody's on the same page. A good program manager, so something I did before we launched to other nine countries too, is that I, during that kickoff, I make sure every single stakeholder, as much as I can, even the small ones, can attend, hear it, ask questions, understand it, and slot it in. There should not, and if there are ambiguous things, then we should deep dive into it. But from that, 
on, um, that should be good. Now, back then at PayPal and other companies too, legal compliance and even our um, localization and translation partners are usually dealt with last minute and that doesn't help you guys. So again, it depends on a good product manager and good program manager on whether or not they want to help. That's my way of effect because I make sure that if we do that properly at the beginning, it will trickle out so there shouldn't be anything ambiguous afterwards. Um, I think that's more on me not being stressed out later on trying to communicate 26 times compared to communicating one or two times to make sure that are we close to the finish line and if there is anything ambiguous, we can nip it up. Most product managers that I met would put you guys at the end. So let's rewind a little bit. When is I the did, end? <laughs> before launch. Oh. Um, I put it this way. Um, the, the good thing about what's done at PayPal is that it's integrated into our code base, um, Node.js, which is very, very nice. Back in the old days, it, it wasn't. It was very hard, and you had to create property files and, and all that and get that translated. Those were the old days. I mean, there are still companies who are doing that, no doubt about it. I would definitely reach out to my world-ready localization uh, and translation folks uh, when I do that kickoff. And let me put the criteria when a kickoff is necessary. A kickoff is necessary when it's an initiative that's been approved by leaders to say, we're going to work on it. And we can, a product manager should be able to explain the business value on it. I love using analogies. And by the way, folks, if you haven't noticed, I'm a big Christian, so I'm just going to say that Jesus is giving a parable, okay? That's why I love analogies. So I'll give another analogy, okay? Say, for example, uh, Lynn wants to buy a million-dollar home. That'd be awesome. I know. That would be awesome. She already has a vision. She already knows what she wants. But she doesn't have that much in her bank account. But she can build so towards true. it. But if she builds towards it and she has enough for a down payment, that dream can become reality. When that dream becomes reality and you know what exactly that you need and what you want to do, that's when you have to kick off. That's when that reality comes. So let's use the analogy of the house again. I will finally find the contractor. I said, hey, we're looking into this property over here. I want to build six bedrooms, these bathrooms and all that. And I like these type of colors. Let's have a kickoff between us and maybe your subcontractors. They know what it is. You have the plan and they will work with you and you can show it over there. Sometimes before that kickoff, it's more like let's use the house again. It's basically doing a blueprint. Same way for PayPal and working on a product, you might have a blueprint on how long it's going to take or what, what to build or how you think it is. Regardless of how it goes, eventually you're going to have a kickoff on there where you align all the stakeholders who's going to be involved. Some stakeholders are like, hey, John, I don't have to deal with this until um, you're almost done. Like, for example, um, I don't know, inspection for the house. You don't want to call the city while it's being half built. You call them once it's nearly built so they can double check before you turn on the power. Yeah. So those are the analogies I would put is that for the translation localization, I like to put them as far as possible. Most likely your team will just say, hey, are, did you equip it with this, this and this? And I'm like, yeah, we are. And most likely they'll come back saying, John, we'll deal with it once we are closer to a timeline and we're good. But if you're working with people who are in marketing team, they definitely want to see the assets. They definitely want to see what is going to be done, shown, and give them time to treat, read out to their marketing translators to make sure it's ready. 
and approved and shown to. So I would say start as soon as possible during that kickoff, but you can only do the kickoff once you have kind of like a blueprint. Otherwise, you're wasting everybody's time saying, I like to build a million dollar house. And they're going to be like, do you have the money, Lynn? Lynn will be like, no, I only have 10K right now. Well, you can't do that million dollar house. So I'm sorry for that. So involve them, well, all of your stakeholders really at the kickoff and then in terms of localization, you know, they will help you check whether or not you have the, the functionality that it needs to have. And then you really will come back to them once you have the, the source code or the source ready. Is yes. That so that's for most teams. Sometimes it's early on. Like, for example, when we were working on the Mafia Wars game, there were some cultural differences that we need to do. So we need to plan out those journeys. Like, say, for example, somebody in uh, Turkey would be playing the game and they're like, oh, you should not show that. Um, like, for example, let, let me use a case example. People didn't understand why in Farmville you're not allowed to give somebody else a pig. Well, most people in Turkey are Muslim. You don't want to do that. That is a huge, huge, really uh, bad huge situation. Offense. Huge offense. So they basically did something I, actually, I don't think they ever had pigs in the game. Anyways, oh, okay. so so they had to go in this dilemma. Should we create a separate experience for Turkey or should we have this uh, have no pigs at all? And at the end, I think we had no pigs at all. So it in was a very the game, the whole yeah, game. It was a pigless game. <laughs> it might have pigs now, but I know that if you're going to quote, quote, harvest a pig, you're not going to get bacon or anything. So I think the game, usually we ask the pig and it finds us truffles, which is much better. I, I think anybody would just say, hey, pig, find me truffles, even though I <laughs> would look at a pig and I'm like, you're good for bacon. So so. That's where they're early in the process that depending on what your environment is, it might be good. Like for my BDMC one, it didn't have to include anything else from localization and translation because um, we already have the format. We already know what it is. But when you're working on other products where the experience has to be catered towards them because it can become offensive, those are the things to talk about. That's why I love talking about Zynga because it was a gaming company. Yeah. And you had to really take in the cultural dynamics. Versus PayPal, it's a financial institution. People just want their damn money, and they want to know their money is being protected, which is a very different dynamic. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that was so much good stuff. I don't even know what else to say. Um, that is all my questions for today, though, so I will stop the recording here, John. Thank you okay. so much. Hi. Welcome back. So if you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to give this video a like, but also share this with any of your friends who are interested in product localization and, um, and everything else. And let's see, don't forget to follow and subscribe. To, uh, this is so hard. And one last thing, make sure to follow or connect with John Huan Vu on LinkedIn to get all of his interesting insights. Uh, this is so hard. I don't know how YouTubers do this. Um, anyways, yeah, follow John on LinkedIn because he's awesome. <laughs> and if you want, if you want, you can subscribe to this YouTube channel too, I guess. Yeah, yeah. learn all about localization. All right, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.